0: Listening to Wednesday Law and Gospel. I'm Pastor Tom Baker on this May the third in the year of our of our Lord 2023. And we're going to be taking a look at Proverbs chapter 20. Now, some of you have had trouble getting a hold of me on email. I'm no longer using law gospel emails. My new email, and the only one I'm using right now, is tom baker at brick.net that's b-r-i-c-k dot net so if you want to ask me a question order a option from me or anything go to tom baker at brick dot net so we're taking a look at proverbs chapter 20 beginning with verse 11 for some time now Solomon, through inspiration of the Holy Spirit, has been dealing with the subject, how to deal, how to have a relationship with fools. And the word fool in Proverbs always refers to an unbeliever. So the first thing that Solomon is going to do in verse 11 is give you an insight as to how to figure out whether or not an individual is listening to God. Here's a verse. Even a child makes himself known by his acts, by whether his conduct is pure and upright. Now, throughout the book of Proverbs, Solomon is always speaking with his sons and he recognizes that born with original sin, his sons often have sinful acts. And the goal of the parent is to help give them the knowledge of the Holy Spirit in such a way that they will begin to follow the Holy Spirit, which hopefully they have received in their baptism. In other words, You do figure out what a child is going to be like by looking at their acts. How do they behave? It's not at all unusual. You you take a look at YouTube and the number of true experiences that people have had, that sometimes some children seem to be quite evil in their actions. They may be hurting animals. They may be hurting other people. Uh, They think themselves are really so important that others are not as important. So this first verse from God says that parents need to watch their children. I can't tell you how many times you see in a movie where a child wants something and it's just uncontrollable until the child gets that and the parents give it to him. Well, you can imagine what's gonna happen when that child grows up. He's going to think, boy, I need something and I'm going to get it regardless of the ways. And so that's kind of important to understand that a parent Is in reality God? How so? Well, a husband is to rule the family, which means to make sure that they are following the works of the Holy Spirit as found in the Bible. So a father will want to make sure that children are going to Sunday school, vacation Bible school, maybe reading Luther's catechism at home with them, or other bible stories and the mother of course is part of that as she brings the children up in the nurture and admonition of the lord also so this is a warning to parents watch your children know whether their conduct is pure and upright by their acts now verse 12 the hearing ear and the seeing eye. The Lord has made them both. Now, why does God give us a hearing ear and a seeing eye? Well, you'll recall that a number of miracles that Jesus did in the New Testament, and not all of them are recorded, but one of them was healing the deaf. And the deaf would then hear the word of God, and they would also be able to see the importance of Jesus Christ. The Lord, which is, by the way, capitalized in the English, every letter, which refers to the name of God given to Moses on Mount Sinai, Yahweh, he has made them both. So he's given you your ear and your seeing eye. Now, sometimes you have an eye that you're seeing the wrong things. A good example of that is John chapter 9. Jesus heals a man who is blind since birth, and that was never heard of before. And he becomes a believer in Jesus Christ. But the Pharisees and unbelieving scribes, they're not very happy with this they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. He's just a carpenter from Nazareth. And they end up putting him to death, especially in light of the raising of Lazarus from the dead, thinking that that was a trick of the devil. So they ask Jesus, are we blind also? And Jesus says to them, because you say you can see, you are blind. Because what they were seeing as they read the Old Testament, they were under the impression that their works saved them. They also confused the distinctions between law and gospel. They read the law and assumed that, well, if I can obey the law, then guess what? I'm saved. And they thank God that they're not like a tax collector working for the Romans. No, they're good Jews. So they're saved by obedience to the law. But the Sermon on the Mount destroys that concept. Jesus says, "You all, well, you've heard it said of old, oh, thou shalt not kill. But I tell you, that commandment is not only against the act of murder, it's also against a word or a thought. So that when people have a word against someone, and they hate a person, that is committing murder, if their anger is a sinful anger. Now, Jesus was angry sometimes, even at his disciples. Remember, I'm going to Jerusalem, I will die there, but in three days, I will be raised from the dead. Peter says, no, Lord, we'll watch over you. Jesus gets angry at Peter. Get thee behind me, Satan. Because at that point, Peter is Satan's voice in telling Jesus, no, you don't have to go and die on the cross. So a hearing ear and a seeing eye refers to a hear, an ear that when it hears the word of God, it trusts the promises of God, just like Abraham. Well, you and Sarah are going to have a baby. Abraham believed it, and it was declared to him as righteousness. Notice, it's his faith that gave him the righteousness, not some act that he was doing. So the hearing ear and the seeing eye are ears that hear the word of God and listen to them. And that is helpful for a parent in verse 11. When you see by your children's acts whether their conduct is pure and upright, you can tell them with their hearing ear and their seeing eye what is the upright behavior to be doing and therefore they can repent of their sins and through the power of the Holy Spirit even begin to do good works. So we go into another thinking on God's part. Verse 13, love not sleep lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread now see this is why you need a pastor because this is a difficult verse to understand but what god is saying here are the consequences of being lazy love not sleep lest you come to poverty can can you imagine a farmer who decides to sleep in every day until noon? Then he goes out, and he's got a large farm. He has to put seeds in the ground, fertilizer in the ground, and work the ground, get rid of the weeds, etc. Well, he doesn't have enough time. A lot of times, from noon until it gets dark. And so, guess what? Open your eyes. Love not sleep, lest you come to poverty. Open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. Now, that reminds us of Israel going through the wilderness. They complained to God, where is our bread? If we had stayed in Egypt, we had plenty of food. Oh, you want to go back into slavery? So what God did, he sent down manna. The word manna simply is, what is it? That's what the word means, manna. And it fell from the sky every day except the Sabbath day. And the people would gather it, make bread out of it, and God was taking care of them. Now, as soon as they got to the land of Canaan, which was 40 years after going into the wilderness, guess what? the manna from the sky stopped falling because they had plenty of food in the land of Canaan. So open your eyes and you will have plenty of bread. That also is referring to looking to the scriptures and finding the bread of life. Remember what Jesus says? I am the bread of life. In other words, he's the new manna, and that can really take place supernaturally at the Lord's Supper. When we receive the bread, which is in, with, and under, it has the body of Christ, and the wine has the blood of Christ. That's a mystery to us. It's a holy sacrament. We may not understand it, but we believe it because Jesus says, take eat, this is my body. Verse 14 talks about you got to be careful in the area of business. You may have someone who's selling something, and it starts off, bad, bad, says the buyer. But when he goes away, then he boasts. Now, how many times have you seen advertisements that give promises that have nothing to do with the product? For example, there is a deodorant, and when they advertise it on television, you get the impression that if you use this deodorant, then you will be on a sandy beach playing volleyball with beautiful people. Well, that's not true. Or when you buy a certain car, then you're going to have other beautiful people who will be looking at you and thinking, wow, that's something I wouldn't mind having. And they will look up to you. It's really quite amazing how many times on billboards, there's advertisements for a product that has nothing to do with the product. Now, in Russia, they did not have deodorant for a while. And missionaries would complain about the smell of their workers because they weren't using deodorant. Well, when they began to sell deodorant on television in Russia, their advertisements were how to use it. And they would have examples of how to put it under your arm and make your body not smell as much as it used to. Now that was a good commercial because it was dealing with the product itself. And so that's important to realize. A buyer may tell you, oh, this is the best thing to buy. Like you're going to a store with 80 televisions and then maybe the individual who is selling them says, oh, this is really good. It does things that other TVs don't do. And while you get it home, And this is really true about computers. And you suddenly find out there's not enough slots uh, to put in your other attributes for a computer. Like you want a mouse, you want a printer, you want a keyboard, other things, and you don't have enough slots. So you got to buy more stuff to get more slots. But when it was sold to you, it sounded like it was a perfect computer. There is no such thing as a perfect computer. All of them have some failures. It's kinda like that I've often said about politicians. When they wanna pass a law, they never say what the negative consequences of the law is going to be. For example, they're insisting that fast food restaurants pay much larger wages so they went from 5 or 6 dollars some of them are up to 15 dollars now that was a law that was passed now you think well that's really a good deal but the negative consequence is that if you had gone into that restaurant 3 years ago they would have had about 8 people working in it but now when you go into the restaurant they only need about four people. Because a lot of the ordering is done over the internet. And a lot of times you're talking to someone who's not even in the restaurant, taking your orders. And then when you get to the window, the order is all done. Because it only takes one or two people to order, to make the orders, things are done quickly. And so the restaurant may be paying larger wages, but boy, they're not using as many people because it's so costly for them. So that's another area in the area of politics. They'll make a law, but they'll forget about the negative consequences or won't tell you. And I've always said that a good politician will say, well, if we pass this, these are your benefits. But these are the things that may not be good. In fact, medicine does this by law. You you take a form of medicine and it gives you the negative consequences that may occur. It may, well, hurt your liver. It may hurt other parts of your body. So you gotta be careful that you do exactly what the doctor says. 15, verse 15. There is gold and abundance of costly stones, but the lips of knowledge are a precious jewel. Now, that word jewel also can be referred to as a gem. What is God saying? If in your life you have a goal of getting more gold and costly stones, you will never be satisfied but the lips of knowledge. Now, when you hear that word knowledge, it's always referring to the knowledge from the Bible. Knowledge is a good thing. It is, of course, the best thing called the gospel, the words of the forgiveness of sins that nobody can gain through obedience to the law, but through faith in the promises of what you hear in the knowledge of the Bible. And the lips of knowledge, that's the lips of those who are sharing with you God's understanding of reality, God's way of living a life. Remember in Proverbs, every time you sin, God sees to it that there is a punishment of some sort. And he does that to awaken us to the futility of becoming God ourselves. 18, another business item. Take a man's garment when he has put up security for a stranger and hold it in pledge when he puts up security for foreigners. Now, this is also the same verse as found in chapter 27, verse 13. What's it saying? is that when you are part of a group that loans money or borrows money, make sure you have a pledge. You go to a bank and let's say you want to buy a new car. Well, the bank isn't just going to give you the money just because you say, boy, did I see a new car and I want it. I need $25,000. They're not going to give it to you. They're going to take a look at, do you have a job? What are you pledging behind it? So sometimes you can pledge your house and put your house down as part of your pledge so that if you fail to pay, they can take your house or other things. And that's what God is saying. When you loan out money, make sure there's a pledge, a security. 17, bread gained by deceit is sweet to a man, but afterward his mouth will be full of gravel. Now, what's that talking about? Well, let's say you have a used car and you realize the transmission is going out, but it's a good looking car. You can wash it, you can clean it, And when you sell it, you don't tell the person about the bad transmission. And then the person buys it from you. You think that is sweet at first because you made a good deal. But then when the transmission does go out, the person returns to you and says, did you know about this? And you hadn't told them about it. Uh, That's why they have inspections on houses before they are sold, because they're checking things out to see, okay, here's the problems you're going to have. So sellers who use deceit may think it's a sweet deal that they have made, but afterward, their mouth will be full of gravel because they will be attacked. They will be shown to be deceitful and they may not be able to buy much. You go to YouTube or to the internet, there's an advertisement about why you should not buy meat from two grocery stores. I was real interested in that, so I looked it up. The reasons why they said you don't buy meat there and what the grocery stores were. And so the grocery stores Didn't mention about the problems with their meat, but there were problems. And meat gained by deceit may be sweet to a grocery store, but afterward their mouth will be full of gravel because people will just stop buying from them. Eighteen, plans are established by counsel, by wise guidance, wage war. Now, Jesus talks about that about the wisdom in waging war against your enemy, to use guidance from other people. You can have leaders in various positions, in companies, in politics, in the church, but you do not have a good leader who is afraid to have someone who is smarter than them giving them advice. They want to do all things on their own, and will not listen to the advice of a wise man. And that advice of a wise man, remember wisdom, is always the wisdom of God's word. 19, whoever goes about slandering reveals secrets. Therefore, do not associate with a simple babbler. Now, the word babbler simply means Somebody's whose lips are open. Uh, We pastors learn that very quickly. We hear from certain members about, Did you know about so and so? And they'll tell you a, a secret that they were told, and they'll tell that to the pastor. Well, that pastor will learn not to tell that person any secrets because he has already seen that they don't keep secrets. That's very important for a pastor. We deal with a lot of people who need counseling. We don't share with the whole congregation our counseling during the week and make a person look ridiculous. No, that's a confidence that we need to do. Verse 20, if one curses his father or his mother, his lamp will be put out in outer darkness. That's really against the fourth commandment. If you go to Exodus 21 verse 17, whoever curses his father or his mother shall be put to death. God does not fool around when you curse father or mother because they are representatives of God to you. Great passages in Proverbs 20 will continue next week with other passages. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your check-out to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel, P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri, 63132 or call toll free 1877 267 1962 Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod. If you'd like to comment on programs or topics heard on Worldwide KFUO, write us at KFUO, 1333 South Kirkwood Road, St. Louis, Missouri, 63122. You can also leave a question or comment on our comment line at 314-996-1542. We are the messenger of good news, Worldwide KFUO.